Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. With each and every one of you. I got some Bay Area family. They're living in Vegas. Hello to all the family there in the back, the Robs. I bless you guys. I'm really excited because I believe that God is up to something. And I sense in my spirit he wants to shift a perspective that many of us have had. We have looked at things through the eyes of negativity instead of comprehending the full measure of truth. And today what I want to do is I want to remove veils and I want to see burdens lift and I want to see joy come. We know that joy is a fountain. And when it fountains, it has to come from a well that's deep. And I believe today that God wants to stir up the wells. For those of you that are wondering what I'm doing right now, I'm setting the temperature. You see, God has not called you or I to be thermometers. Thermometers take temperatures. God has called us to be thermostats, a people who regulate temperature. I'm an atmospheric messenger. What does that mean? Well, if you read your book, starting in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God took five days to create atmosphere, heaven, earth. Ground, animals, sea. He created everything, every atmosphere that's needed, and he called it all what? Good. But on the sixth day, he created the greatest wonder of all, humanity. And where did he place them? In the midst of an atmosphere prepared for a people. And so there is a wind blowing. There is a breeze coming. There's a shift that is here. I feel it. Anybody ever have that barometer when a storm's coming before it comes? I could tell you three days out storm's coming. My head, the pressure will hurt. My mom, she'll tell you, a storm's coming. (laughs) She'll grab her knee. Today, what's going to happen is God's going to meet you. And when he does, you're going to recognize Everything that was fighting you couldn't stop you. So, Father, I pray in the name above all names. I lift up your kingdom. And I pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, give us this day our needed daily bread. Forgive us for our transgressions. Let today be a day where we understand the power of what we're crossing over into. May purpose unfold, may destiny be revealed, and may the promises of God be made known in every man and every woman. I thank you, Spirit of God, for your presence. You notice how the atmosphere shifted? There's peace. 
Young lady sitting in the middle section, you just looked at me. You must have knew I was thinking about you second row. Yeah, will you stand? This is what I heard the Spirit of God say. Everything in your world is being made complete. The last seasons of disappointment are no more. Disappointment is no longer before you. You've crossed over into a new day. And as you stand on the other side, the Lord says, don't look back at the trouble. Look back to the cross and see what it brought you into. The Lord says, the walls have fallen and the bridge has been made. Crossover. The walls of Jericho, when they fell, they didn't crumble. They fell flat. Actually, God opened up the earth, scholars believe, and pushed the walls down, and it became a bridge for a nation to come across. Every obstacle in your life, every wall that was before you in this last season that seemed like no matter how hard I try to get around it, over it, through it, I couldn't. God says, I just had to push it down. He said, this is your season to cross over and see every relationship get mended by my presence that is worthy. There is some things that God separated you from that you won't go back to, but there's things that he's positioned you for that he'll make new again. The Lord says, it's a brand new day. Victory is your portion. Rejoice. I bless you in the name of the Lord. For those of you that like titles, I got one today. It's simply called The Storm You Needed. Have you ever fathomed that storms, hardships, struggles, trials, tribulations, battles, that they're all something that you need? See, we have conditioned or been conditioned in belief that storms, troubles, hardships, are all what? Negatives. But I'm come to tell you a simple truth. When you think of the word struggle, you often think of it as a negative. But if you turn it around, you'll find out by definition it means a fight to live. If a struggle is a fight to live, then the hardship you face has a God purpose. Find any man in the Bible, find any leader, patriarch, matriarch, you're going to find that they all overcame a trouble, a struggle, a hardship, a disappointment, and they all lived. Your hardship, your struggle, your trial, your storm is really something that you need to come into everything that God has destined. So storms have a purpose in your life. But the question is, will you endure it to see what it reveals? This evening, we're going to come to the knowledge that the resistance that you have been facing is nothing more than a sign to you that you're in the right place. Your storm that you live through has made you the person you are. The storms you will face will forge you into the man or the woman of God you will become. Listen to this thought. Small shifts mark giant changes that grant the greatest of victories. Small shifts mark the greatest of changes that declare the greatest of victories. In Genesis chapter 33, 22, we all know the story of a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob came down and he crossed over a ford of Jabbok. Listen to this word, he crossed over. But what did he cross over? A ford, a narrow point, a passage. He came to a place where there was a breakthrough for him to get to the other side. 
But what does Jabbok mean? Jabbok is a place called to empty out. If you're going to cross over, you can't cross over carrying what you carried. If you're going to cross over, you can't cross over living the way you lived. When you cross over, something has to what? Fall off, come off, leave. So the whole thing of crossing over is crossing over into something new. How many of you know you can't take old with you? And today there is many people that want to come into the new things of life, but the new thing becomes destroyed when old things come with it. There's many people that like to leave churches and they go to a new church and they find a place they love. And then they begin to get engrafted in. And before you know it, they'll say to the pastor, oh, at my old church, we used to do this. I think this would be a good idea. You left that church, but now you're trying to teach us the ways of what you left. You didn't like it then. And you think you'll like it now. No, 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 no. You have to learn to let that system die. When you got born again, Something what? Died. An old man passed and behold, all things were made. Isn't it funny? You cross from death to life, but you still want to bring the old man with you. <laughs> when you get into the highway, you will find yourself happy until you hit something called what? Traffic. Traffic has a way of resurrecting old things. You lose control of your mind for a moment and then you begin to say something crazy. After the guy cut you off, you accelerate two lanes, hit the accelerator, you look over your right shoulder through your side window only to find out their windows are tinted and they ain't looking. And in your mind, you're giving them the best whipping you can. And only then do you come to a revelation, God, that's not you. So what do we do? We blame it on something. What do you blame it on? Anybody ever say, oh, that was, forgive me, that was my old man. Anybody ever say that? I see all these heads. So the question is, if your old man died, when did you believe in necromancy? How can you conjure up something that does not exist? Some things are better left dead. Some things are meant to grow out of. Reptiles grow out of what? Old skin. Because they were made new again or they grew. Can it simply be said, the reason why you're identifying it as something old is because it's a sign that you have not matured and grown. God is looking to grow you through your storm. Your storm is not here to destroy you. Your storm, your storm is there to mature you. Everywhere you look in the story, you will find a man in a storm being lengthened, being changed, being transformed. Where did you find Joseph? You found him in a pit, then in a prison, then forgotten, then ruling. Every step in his life, he what? He grew. God's favor, God's grace was upon him. Every land he was walking through, he was what? Crossing over until he became what his dream was. I want to remind you, Jacob is in a difficult place. Several chapters before in Genesis 27, the Bible says that Jacob steals his brother's birthright blessing. The Bible says that 
Esau finds comfort knowing that daddy is about to die and he's going to kill his brother who stole the blessing. Where did comfort come for Esau? Knowing that he was going to put his hands around his squirrely brother's neck. What does Jacob do? He runs for his life. He comes to a place in Beersheba. He runs from Beersheba. He comes to a certain place in Haran. And what does he do? He pulls a rock up and makes it a pillow. When he makes that rock a pillow, he makes it in a certain place. The word certain is a Hebrew word called pagah. It means the place of intercession. His heart is in turmoil and he turns to prayer. He is in the storm of his life because he knows he can't defend himself against his brother who is a trained hunter. He knows that life is looking bleak and he's journeying to an uncle he's never met. And so he comes to a difficult place and there he grabs hold of the rock, which is Christ, a revelation. And in this revelation, something begins to rise up in him called a dream. And when he dreams, God gives him a picture of a ladder. He gives him a view of angels ascending and descending and then God tells him his location I'm over you the moment you discover where God is it brings comfort to the rest of your journey God begins to prophesy to Jacob the very land that you're in I'm going to bring you back to the very land you're running from I'm going to draw you back here and when I bring you back it's going to be well you're going to be a ruler Everything in your life is going to shift. I know you're in the storm of your life. I know that this is one of the most difficult trials you ever faced. You're struggling like you've never struggled, but you're struggling to what? Live. He wasn't fighting to die. He was fighting or struggling to what? Live. And as he's struggling and he has this vision, when God wakes him up, what does he say? How awesome is this difficult place? This is the gateway to the heavens. Your difficult place is your gateway to your heavenly place. God gave Jacob a promise. I'm giving this land back to you. So now he's at a place of crossing over. He's on his return trip. And on this return trip, guess who he has to face? The one he fears. Many people fear the storm. Why? The storm is there to forge you into your rightful identity. The storm is shaping you into the man and the woman God is destining you destining you to become. This storm is not to destroy you. The storm is there to what? Make you. So every one of you that is facing a trial, a tribulation, a hardship, a difficulty, and you're going, God, God, don't do that. Just simply say, God, I understand because comprehension is half the battle. The moment you comprehend that you win, the moment you comprehend that it's forming and it's shaping, you no longer fight the change, you embrace it. The moment you embrace the change, everything begins to manifest in a brand new way. Jacob was no longer afraid when he came back the way he was when he left. He was uncertain of what his brother was going to do. So he comes over and what does he do? He wrestles with a man. Can I proclaim to you, when you wrestle with God, you don't have to wrestle with your brother. Let me say that one more time. When you wrestle with God, you don't have to wrestle with your brother. You don't have to wrestle with a thing that said, my assignment is to kill you. God says, wrestle with me, and I will allow this wrestling to transform you while I'm doing a work on the other side. See, when you're busy wrestling with God, God is actually working on something you can't see. When you're wrestling with God, all you see is your struggle, your hardship. The children of Israel 
were given the land of Jericho, and then God said, march around it how many times? 13 in total. Absolutely right. When they walked around it the first 12 times, did they see the wall cracking? Did they think, see things getting shaky? They were sitting in what? Silence, pent up with all this uh, on the inside of them. They're walking around the outside. <laughs> but can I tell you, which most people fail to see, as Israel is walking around the outside, God is at work on the inside. What is he working on on the inside? He's working on a woman who has a bad reputation. He's working on a woman that has been with one too many men. He's working on a woman that came to an agreement with the nation of Israel and said, our people recognize that your God is greater. I don't want to go out by your greater God. I want to join forces. And she simply makes an agreement. If I'm kind to you, will your God be kind to me? And he says, get all of your family where? In the room and release a scarlet thread. Can I tell you what that's a picture of? A window in heaven. That's a picture of Christ hanging on Calvary. And that scarlet thread is the blood pouring out from the heavens to the earth to redeem and to save mankind. To fall upon a woman that's a harlot. Can I proclaim to you that that woman was a harlot? But when the end came, she was known as a woman of great faith. She was the she was defined as a woman that is part of the lineage and the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know he has a way of taking a filthy sinner? He has the way of taking an old man, putting it to death and making them new. Come on. You're not what you used to be. You're brand new. It's time to cross over. So when Jacob, when Jacob is at the fort of Jabbok, he sends his family over. His 11 children and his wife, he's there and he what? Wrestles with a man until when? Say daybreak. Can I tell you what daybreak means? A dawning of a new day. That means that his wrestling match, his fight with his brother was no more. As he wrestled with God, God wrestled with Esau. As he wrestled with God, God turned Esau's heart. When Jacob was dealing with himself before the presence of God, God was dealing with Esau. Why is it that it's all about me and what I'm going through? Why can't we see that as I'm going through it, something greater in the unseen realm is happening on my behalf. So what happens? The angel of the Lord says, let me go, it is what? Daybreak. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you what? And you know what God says? Let's see. And the Bible says he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and it was what? Broke. Displaced. Dislocated. Question, which way did God dislocate Jacob's hip? Outside in or inside out? Very significant. Because covenant was not made on the outside of a man's hip. It was made on his inner thigh. And so what God was doing was dislocating an old man. He was removing an old seed, an old nature. He dislocated. The word to dislocate means to remove. Remove from. Can I tell you, that's not where the story ends. Because God dislocated a man by the name of Jacob. And he relocated in Jacob a new man. Who was the new man? Israel. He dislocated Jacob, liar, trickster, deceiver, supplanter. And he relocated Israel. A man who struggled with God and with man and what? Overcame. The storm that he was facing was not to destroy him, but to shape him into the man that God destined. See, we often forget to read the Bible. So sometimes we just need to go all the way to the beginning. When you go all the way to the beginning, when mama was pregnant, she said, I have war in my what? Womb. And what was the word of the Lord given to mama? 
The younger shall be what? Greater. Let me translate that to help you what it means. It means your new creation is greater than your old. When you got saved, you crossed over. An old man died and a new man lives. That was your dislocation of the old nature. Jacob, liar, trickster, deceiver, supplanter. So you got saved, born again, so a new nature came upon you. Israel, one who struggled with God and the man and has now prevailed. Can I proclaim to you, each and every one of you that have called on the name that there's uh, that when you called on the name Jesus, the name above all names, your whole world changed. You crossed over. You're no longer a man of the earth. You're a man of the heavens. Your citizenship is not of this world. You are what? A heavenly man. Where are you seated? In heavenly places. So when you speak, where do you speak from? the heavens when you understand where you're positioned where you're seated you understand your authority so you won't complain about a trouble or a trial you'll just say oh you're fascinating me for something far greater i understand what i see but that means there's something in the unseen realm that you're making ready to benefit to bring forth to change and transform on my behalf and celebrate it or you could just say, God, why is the devil whipping me? Why am I being defeated? Why is this happening? Why? Why? Because you haven't come to understanding. The storm that you're facing is the storm that you need to become what God is destined. That's why I love Mark chapter 4. In verses 35 through 41, it tells of a great story. But to understand, there is something happening on the other side. God is already preparing something in Mark 5. But he has to make the disciples ready in Mark 4. Because many times, we need to remember that Jesus says greater work then I do, you will do also. You have been called to do the greater. And so you need to begin to understand everywhere where Jesus did a great thing, that's the floor. And God has raised the bar and said, you can do more. Everyone's talking to me about how dark the world is. And I just remember to remind them that they're a light. So if you're dwelling in a dark place, light up, illuminate, shine. Oh, no, that's pastor's job. No, 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 no. That's your job. Amen. Remember at the day of Pentecost, Peter lifted up his what? Voice. Everyone thinks he's yelling at the top of his lungs. This is that. He is expressing it. But when you study, he lifted up his voice. The word voice there means illumination. It means to shine or to shimmer. When Peter stood up, he stood up as a man after the storm. What storm? Go back when Jesus said, Satan asked for you, Peter. And he said he's going to sift you as wheat. And then Jesus said, but fear not, Peter. I prayed and interceded for you on your behalf. And I prayed a prayer that your faith would not fail. As you enter into this what? Trial, this storm. Peter's like, no way. Jesus says, don't worry, Peter. There's going to come a day where you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, those jokers, not this one. These guys are weaker. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm cut a little different. And he was what? Pretty certain of himself until he wasn't. When wasn't he certain? When a woman said, you're with them. No, I'm not. You're one of them. Your voice, your words expose you. When you're a light, people should recognize it. Your language should stand out in the midst of a crowd. You should carry a fragrance, a sound, a presence that's recognizable to the world.
as you're different. And we know that Peter denied Jesus how many times? What did Jesus say? You're going to deny me three times, and when you do, something's going to happen in the atmosphere. What's going to happen? A rooster is going to what? Out of all of creation, why did God choose a rooster? Why did he choose a rooster? Simple. What is a rooster known for? He's called the trumpet of what? Say it again. Say it like you believe it. He's the trumpet of the what? The trumpet of a new day. Watch this. Peter, your mouth is going to trumpet your defeat. But I've already put into the earth an atmosphere that's going to awaken you that a new day is coming. I'm here to tell you that I'm standing before you as a rooster and I'm trumpeting you. There is a new day coming. There is a day after the storm. There is a fragrance after the storm. There is a greater you after than after your trial. Peter, when you hear the rooster crow, it's not me reminding you that you're a sinner. It's me trumpeting to you. I'm paying the price for your new day. Someone preached the cross is your crossover place. What a wise person. Because at the cross, you transition from earthly to heavenly. So why are you concerned with the worldly affairs when you're not of it? Unless you believe you are. Everyone's telling me, the economy, the economy, the economy. And I said, you're not of this world. You're not of this world. You're not of this world. You must think above the storm. So when the storm comes, the storm is nothing more than a sign that you're in your right hour. You're in your right place. So when Mark 4, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Say us. Do you realize that you thought you were journeying alone. How many of you feel like you're going through a struggle and you're all alone? It's a lie. God's word says he never leaves nor forsakes. He's what? With us. Jesus is teaching the disciples the principle of us. You're a package deal. Do you realize it's not you who lives, but Christ who lives in you? So if you have the benefit, Jesus, in your life, you're never alone. And if he's with you and he said, let us cross over, guess what? He wants you to understand the journey that you're on. What's the journey? You know why? Oh, let me not get ahead of myself. You want to know why he said, let us cross over? Verse 36, he says, now when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, and he was, and the other boats were with him. The Bible says, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat on the boat, so it was already filling. And it says, but he, Jesus, is in the stern asleep on a pillow. Who did we see on a pillow earlier? Jacob laid his head upon a rock and he called it a what? Pillow. What is Jesus resting his head on? A pillow. A place of what? Comfort. Jesus' head is in the pillow asleep. And he awoke and he, they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? <coughs> Can I tell you Jesus' perspective in the whole thing? Jesus took a pillow because he intended to sleep through the storm. <clears throat> I fly a lot. I've been, like Pastor Tyrone could probably testify, that there is sometimes you get on a flight and there's turbulence. 
you're going, passing through a storm. I was flying over Mount Fuji in Asia. We hit some turbulence. Suddenly, the plane fell 100 feet. The whole plane dropped. Everyone went from sleeping to vomiting. <laughs> Those that don't listen to the captain's instructions, they got hurt. Because when a plane drops that significantly, heads hit the roof. Babies got tossed. Then when the plane leveled out, that in which goes up, people are screaming, everyone's panicking. People are getting sickly all over the place. And I'm like, Lord, is this it? And I happen to look at the flight attendant. You know what she's doing? She's looking at her phone. If she would have stood up and if she was screaming out of panic, but you sometimes have to look at someone who's been there before because she was not freaked out. I said, thank you, Jesus. We're going to be all right. Can I tell you, if you're facing a storm, you got to look to one. Can I tell you, Jesus was asleep. And the reason he was asleep is because he intended to sleep because he received the word. What was the word? Let us cross over. Whose word was it? It wasn't his boys. It was God's. God gave Jesus a word that he gave to his disciples. The word was, the word was in him. The word was God. Can I tell you? The word gave him the power to remain peaceful when the disciples thought. We're dying. See, when you understand, Jesus says, let us cross over. He's confronting your future need for a prophetic word, for a new one. You know what most people do? They get a prophetic word and they enter into a storm and they go, that's not it. No. The storm that you're facing is a sign that the word is working. And so what we do is we abandon ship instead of holding on to the word. The word does not return. And you know what most people start doing? They start looking for another word because surely God doesn't want you in a trouble to be shaped, to be formed into a new creation. God loves you the way you are. Most people like to be comfortable. So when they say, come on, boys, let us cross over. That's when some people are like, really? You really want to move? You really want to get a new church? Look how pretty the stage is and the lights are. You, 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 you know, you know what? You remember how much it cost and how much, how much faith it was to get here? And now you're believing God for a bigger space because you want to influence the whole territory. I mean, I know, Pastor, we want to reach the lost, but I'm found. <laughs> I'm bound, you know, me, my four, maybe one more, you know, only if it's the one that I find that I choose and I like. No, 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 no. What we have to do is we have to what? Get out of ourselves. There is a world that is in crisis and you're storm tested. There's a world that is in dark and you are a light that's meant to shine. There is a world that is hurting and you've been healed and delivered. You are the antidote. You are the answer. You are the solution. The Christ in you 
has the power to help one that can't help themselves. And when the power of the Christ in you helps them, guess what they do? Cross over. See, Jesus said, let us cross over. That's the word, period. But now, the other side becomes the destination. This is not the will of man. This is the will of the Father. The storm that you are facing, it is not your enemy. It's the nature of the outcome. What is the outcome? Say victory. Did Jesus go to the cross without suffering? Jesus said, they persecute me, they will, they will persecute you also. Storms, trials, hardships, difficulties, it's all part of the package. But Jesus shows us by example, I can walk through a beating that I, I am not even recognizable by man, but come out of it okay. Paul says, I was lashed five times, 40 minus one. On five different occasions, Paul had his back and his guts ripped out of him by a cat of what? Nine tails, Roman torture instrument. Then he says, I've been beaten with bats or rods. I was stoned unto death, shipwrecked a day and a night, and all these other strange adventures. He doesn't even count being bitten by a viper, and he says, these are all what? Light afflictions. Storms. The storms that that man lived through fastened and forged him to become the greatest writer in the New Testament. A man who authored and penned two-thirds of it himself. What is your storm forging you to be? What is the trouble that you're overcoming that's going to become the word that helps someone else cross over? I'm here to proclaim to you every storm, trouble, hardship you're facing. It's making you better. But we get to the place when we're in the storm where we're just like the disciples. What did the disciples say? Lord, don't you care that we are dying? <laughs> Scratch your head, say, hmm. Peter was what? By trade. Fisherman. Where did he work? On the sea. Do you think in all of his years of owning a business, his boat never took on some water? But now that Jesus is with him, he believes he's storm proof. When we get saved, we're storm proof. That's foolish. Because the Bible says there is... A wise man who builds his house on the what? Rock. A foolish man builds his house on the... And then the Bible says something crazy. When the wind blows and the storm comes, the man who builds his house on the rock will what? Stand. Jesus said when the storm comes. So the storm, you're not storm-proof your storm approved. If your house is built on a rock. We think, no, no, no. Storms are not of God. Storms are of the devil. No. Jesus said a wise man builds his house on a rock. And when the storm do come, you'll stand through it. You know what most people do, though? They jump ship. I ain't going to be in this storm. So they find relief 
by jumping out, but they don't find victory. Because if you quit on one storm, there's going to be another one and another and another. You feel like you're a ping pong? You feel like you're a part of a pinball machine, a little steely getting bounced this way, that way? Bing, 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 bing. Right? You ever get bounced around so much your head hurt? But I'm storm proof. Show me in the Bible. No, you're storm built. You have the power to overcome it, the power to what? Withstand it, the power to be victorious. See, don't vacate the promise given by the spoken word in search of something new. We are often looking for another word. You ever been searching for something in an atmosphere and you're like, God, Jesus just seems silent. Like he used to talk to me and now he don't. Let me help you perceive and understand why. Because you're jumping ship. Watch this. Jesus was praying in a garden. And he said to his disciples, come, tarry with me one hour. And the Bible said he went a what? Stones throw away. And he is pressing in to his father because he knows his hour of suffering is at hand. And Jesus cries out in prayer and says, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass. He prayed one hour waiting for a what? Answer. What did God say? Nothing. Jesus comes out of prayer and he's like, hey, could you tarry one hour with me? And what were the disciples doing? Sleep. Why? Because it's not their storm. You know what we want to do? Join me in prayer in my storm. You just need to, you, you just need to be the, the armor going before me, Pastor. You, Pastor, your prayers, they're better than mine. You be my battle axe. Pastor, you pray. Pastor, you do it. Your prayers are prayer. Your prayers are better. Your prayers are more stronger. God hears your prayers more than he hears my prayers. That's a lie. More expensive. <laughs> You know what I get written to me every day? Pray for me. 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 Prophet Rob, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. And you know what I say? I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. You know why? Because I am not your chief intercessor. If I prayed for every person that is asking me to be their intercessor. When would I ever be able to pray for me? How many times? Pastor, just pray for me. Pastors, here's a simple word of wisdom. I'll agree with you. Say agree. agree. That means you pray, and I'm like, yes and amen. No, your prayers are better, probably because I'm practicing. Let me help you. Amen. You just start praying. Amen. See, the word agree is powerful in the Greek. You know what the word agree means in the Greek? Symphoneo where you get the word symphony, which means our harmonious sound. Watch this. A symphony is the sound of many. One can send a thousand, two can send tens of thousand. Why do you want the prayer of one when we could at least be a prayer of two that touch and agree and get God in the midst of it? Oh, we look at things crazy. No, 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 you do it. No, 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 you do it. Like I'm, I'm battle fatigued. 
I, I just. <sighs> you ever get puppy eyes? <laughs> right? I know none of you do that here. It's like. So, so we get to this place where we want someone else to do it for us instead of learning how to endure the storm. If you're going to endure the storm, you first got to know it's coming. Most people get taken off guard. You ever been caught off guard in a storm? Not dressed for it? Suddenly it's downpouring and you're like, oh, Jesus. There's no place to cover. You look in your car, you have paper, and you're like, that's not going to work. You have nothing. And you're like, I wasn't expecting it. Well, the news forecaster told you it was coming. When you opened up your Facebook or your Instagram, they talked about the atmospheric rivers are going through the West. It's going to rain a lot. I wonder how deep that puddle is. Right? And they drive their car right into it. Like you've driven this road. You know by the train track, it goes down. That's not a puddle. That's a pool. And if you drive your car, you're probably not coming out. Unless you're a four-wheel drive. You know what most people do? That's their prayer life. They go and they stall in those places. Because you weren't prepared. you got to make your prayers How? Daily. See, we forgot that prayers aren't prayed. Our prayers are made. Book of Acts teaches us that. Chapter 13, chapter 14. The disciples walked along the riverside looking for those who made their prayers daily. Prayers aren't prayed. They're made by the worship of your heart. Jesus said he knows your prayers before you even what? Pray them. What is he looking for? He's looking for you to stop being a one-way conversation. Most people tell God their laundry list, but they don't ever listen to his response. What is the highest form of prayer of a priest? Silence. Because God has called us to be priests and kings. So where does kings get his fuel from? The priest. The man of prayer. So if silence is the highest form of prayer, that means someone else is what? Talking. And that means someone else is... If you're the listener, now you stand up as a king. What's the highest form of prayer of a king? Say a decree. That was terrible. Say a decree. There you go. A decree. What is a decree? When a king makes a royal decree, it's a law that is established. So where does the law come from? Where does the priest, the kingly decree come from? From priestly worship. Sitting in silence. Listening to what God said. Who's a king? Speaks to the king in the earth so you could speak to the kings of the heavens to manifest over the kings of the earth. When you stand up and speak as a king, you speak with power. You speak with authority. Did you know you can't pray a mountain out of your way? Anybody ever try and pray a mountain? Like something really crazy is happening in your life and you're like, it got to move 
I'm prayed that this mountain would be removed and it don't be removed. You know why? Because the Bible says, decree to the mountain, be thou removed. But you can't decree to a mountain unless you're a king. And your kingship comes from your priestly nature. So if you're not a priest hearing what the king is saying, you can't echo in the earth what the king of the heavens has said. So you're praying over a mountain, it doesn't change. But the moment you sit in silence and he fills you with the word, and then you speak the word, guess what happens to the mountain? It casts itself into the sea. Almost done, because we're crossing over. Say crossing over. The storm can't stop you, but the storm will shape you. The question is, what are you becoming? Can I tell you? Simple. An eagle Christian. Every bird other than an eagle flees from hurricanes and tropical storms. Great storms push birds of the lesser and even animals into hiding. But there comes the eagle. The Bible says, Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Did you know that eagles wait upon the Lord like a hunter knowing that an opportune moment is passing by? The eagle is not afraid of the storm. He senses the atmospheric change, and you know what he does? He positions himself. When you feel that uncertainty in the air, position yourself. To what? To be launched to a new height, to a greater dimension. You know why eagles embrace storms? Because they allow the storm and the wind currents to push them to elevations they can't reach with their own wings. Eagles have been reported to be anywhere between 10,000 and 17,000 feet above sea level in hurricanes. What does the Bible say? That they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You mount up with wings like eagles. Eagles, when the storm comes, have an ability to lock their wings into place. Their lungs are built for altitude. So when the storm comes, all they have to do is adjust their tail feather, their tilt and lift. They don't flap. They don't move. They glide. And the wind pushes them. And as they sense the currents shift and drift, they lean, they tilt, and they allow it to lift them higher and higher. Can I tell you what happens? Their strength is being renewed in the storm. Did you know that eagles are not afraid to fight, but they know how to fight when something lesser is operating against them. There's only one dumb bird that picks a fight with an eagle. It's a crow. A crow will land on an eagle and peck at him. The eagle is a bird of prey, not a scavenger. The eagle has talents and great strength to lift 
fish from beneath the surface, capture it, strength enough to fly it out of the water and up to a tree. Some fish weighing 30 pounds. Strength compared to a blackbird. So when the lesser is picking a fight with the greater, you know how he defeats him? Elevation. I'm here to tell you, the fight that you thought was the devil is really the Lord. And if you would elevate, everything that you thought was hindering you would fall from you. And the only thing that would be taking place in your life is you would being renewed. An eagle is renewed when he soars. I'm here to simply challenge you today to understand what's waiting on the other side. So when the disciples said, Lord, you don't care that we are perishing, they woke him up. And what did he do? He spoke. Peace be still. God has given you the keys of the kingdom. What is the key? Say, my mouth. If you have the key of the kingdom, what does the key grant to you? Access. What is the purpose of a key? Most people say to what? Open. But the truth is, it's to lock. The word key in the Greek is kleis. The word kleis means to neuter. The reason why you have a key of the kingdom is so when the storms of demonic oppression rise up, you neuter them. Now, it's a word to castrate so it can no longer be procreative. So it doesn't have a domino effect against you. You have the power to close the door, shut it, lock it out, and it what withers and dies. Jesus said, peace be still. What happened to the storm? The wind stopped. The waves were no longer choppy. The boat's no longer being tossed. And everyone comes to peace. And then the Bible says they crossed over. What was waiting on the other side? A world full of problems. A territory filled with issues. Isn't it funny that when Jesus crossed over, there was people in need? We're crossing over. We've made it about the other side. But we don't forget the purpose. People in need. Let me say that again. We're crossing over to the other side. But what's the purpose? People in need. When Jesus crossed over, who was there? The demoniac. A man in What is the storm preparing you for? The people in need. When you overcome the storm, you were forged into a deliverer, a helper, a healer, a life changer. The storm has everything to do with who you become. I know we all wanted to shout tonight. But I felt like God spoke to me and said, I want them to know the purpose of crossing over. When Israel crossed over into the land of promise, who was there? The giants. And what was Israel called to do? Displace them. Remove them. 
So every battle they faced to get there prepared them to what? Bring down the giants. <sighs> Dodgers have been bringing down my giants for like 10 years. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. When Jesus and the disciples crossed over, they set a man free that was known as a demoniac. When Jesus stepped into that territory, he stepped into it as what? Lord. When you cross over, there is a new dominion on your foot that when you put it down, it marks the territories as God's. When he stepped into that new region, he stepped in as Lord of all. What happened? A demoniac ran and fell at his feet and bowed down and began to worship him and then said what? Jesus, did you come here to torment me? No, Jesus came there to what? Set him free. Your storm awakens your God authority. Everything you faced is God using to shape you into a man or woman of authority. Close your Bible. Jesus, I pray.